0: Coffee tables are expensive. Of course, like furniture is really expensive. Really expensive. Very it's great. like, well, shoot, let's go to Home Depot and buy some wood and they make this it, thing, yeah. right? So we threw something together, and then you know, good old social media. I posted it, and so much feedback of Loved people it. wanting to demand. You know, yeah, we had the demand. So right away, we we're like, aha, we're now going to be a woodworking company.
1: Welcome to Kneading Dough the podcast presented by Uninterrupted and Chase. I'm your host, Andrew Hawkins, but you can call me Hawk. All right, here's the rundown on Kneading Dough. Uninterrupted CEO, Maverick Carter, sits down with your favorite athletes to talk about how they learn to manage the life-changing amounts of money that becoming a pro athlete can provide. And as a former NFL wide receiver myself, that's where I come in. I'm bringing you my personal perspective on how these lessons from legends Translate to you in your life. Now, before we dive into this conversation featuring all star baller Elena Della Don, Needing Dough the Podcast is presented by Uninterrupted and Chase. Be sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your shows. And now, Elena Della Don joins us here on Needing Dough Today. Elena is a star player in the WNBA and a gold medalist who holds multiple USA basketball records. She's a three-time WNBA All-Star starter, the 2015 WNBA MVP, and one of the most prolific players in league history. On this episode of Needing Go, you'll hear her talk about how medical accessibility influenced the way she spends her cash, the ongoing fight for women's sports, her creative woodworking business with her wife, and her passion for giving back to people with special needs. So let's get into it. Here's Maverick Carter with Elena De Uh
2: <laughs> Elena and I, we were talking, I was saying, I always forget they should just say, Delaware is really just the East Coast, because as a kid, I've you know, looking at the map, I was telling her, Maine, Delaware, Vermont, New Hampshire, kind of everything above Boston to me is just like up there. (laughs) It's just like, oh yeah, that part of the country that's up there, but it's actually really close and obviously you grew up there. we were talking about some basketball players and stuff in there. What's it like growing up in Delaware? Is it it like growing up on the East Coast because it's so close really to Philly and Mm -hmm. D.C. and New York and everything?
0: Yeah, it's definitely East Coast and so close to so many, you know, awesome cities, but I love Delaware, so I never really had to even go outside of it too much. I love the Delaware beaches, um, and just I'm telling you, they're they're loyal people in the state of Delaware. <laughs> like I feel like we're all just one big family, and it's been that way through my whole career. Where you know these same people have been there, following and supporting, coming to Mystics games now. Um, so it's been really special, and. When I was younger, I can't tell you how many times people ask me what state is is Delaware in. It's like it is the first state, number one. So like one of my biggest goals playing basketball is like people are gonna know that Delaware is a a state state. and it's a great great state. So
2: that's a great one. That's funny. I'm from uh, a city. I was just talking to one of our producers. He was just in Akron with us, and he was saying, you know, Akron was surprisingly like a decent little city. And I said, yeah, well, you know, it's It's like it's a small city. It's not a town, so everybody from Akron, including LeBron, we kind of live our life with that chip. That's one Mm -hmm. of the things that drive us. Do you have that same thing, being from Delaware and like having to always prove, playing against players from Chicago and LA and New York and everywhere? Do you always Mm -hmm. do you kind of wear that on you on your shoulder at all times? For
0: sure, I've always had that chip on my shoulder, Um, and even when I was growing up and playing, people were like, "Well, just wait for her to get out of Delaware." Like wait for her to hit the pros. She's only playing at the University of Delaware. So I feel like every single level that I played on, I had to kind of prove myself and play with that chip on my shoulder. Ex-
2: oh, they were saying basically, she's just dominating because she's playing against Delaware girls.
0: Exactly. God, I, t- I totally <laughs> yeah. understand that.
2: Well, that's yeah. probably one of the things that inspires you and keeps you going, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Also, obviously, one is your family. You're really, mm-hmm. uh, from what I've read, know about you tightly, your family. You grew up one of three kids mm-hmm. uh, in a family in Delaware. and As you were growing up, what was it like growing up in a household with three kids? What was your house like, your family like? Mm -hmm. What was family life like for you?
0: Uh, It was great. Um, You know, my family means everything to me. And right from, I mean, when I was born, I knew the importance of a team because my sister has special needs, and it was always about her. Like, how can we help Lizzie to be great and to overcome all these disabilities that have been thrown her way? So um, I learned right away, it takes a team to achieve a lot, anything really. Um, And then I was always just inspired by her, the way she can fight, Um, you know, there are so many diagnoses thrown her way and things that the doctor said she'd never be able to do that she's done and surpassed. So anything I face on a basketball court, I'm like, this is nothing compared to what what she's had to go through.
2: That's awesome. And growing up that way, what did your parents do for a living? Did they both work? What did they do?
0: So my mom was a special ed teacher, but Uh, once she had Lizzie, she stayed at home and cared for her and cared for my brother and I. And then my dad runs a real estate company, so um, I, from an early age, was able to kind of see him run a business and would go in and watch him and watch the way he spoke to his employees and uh, the way he would save money. So right away, I had someone to look up to.
2: Got it. and did he teach you a lot about, walk you through business, or did he talk to you more about money, of like, save money, do this with your money, here's what you do when you make money? Or did he teach you more business things, like, this is how you run a company, this is how you manage people?
0: Yeah, he, he taught me all of that. Um, mainly how to work with people, and how to get the most out of people, and be a, a great leader, so that helped me on the basketball court so much. And then, even at home, he would do little things like, you know, we'd have chores and he'd be like, all right, you get 20 bucks. Um, What are you going to do with this money? Like, do you want to save it and it'll grow because you do more and more chores, you're going to get paid and it can grow or do you want to just spend it all right now on, you know, a toy that you're not going to want in a couple weeks. So we were able to learn immediately, you know, the importance of saving.
2: Got it, that's amazing. And, And you've obviously, as great of a basketball player as you are and continue to be, at some points in your life, you've had to put basketball second, which is, mm-hmm. you know, a player at your caliber, we don't ever think about that, right? Yeah. <laughs> you don't ever think about players that play at the level that you do, putting basketball second, you know, players at your caliber are always talking about basketball is their everything, but mm-hmm. you obviously went to UConn out of high school, then decided you wanted to go back home and took a year off. Mm-hmm. You've always kinda, you've some at some points, had to put family over basketball and in turn, Money, talk about that a little bit, mm-hmm. Is specifically the time at Yukon and when you decided to go back home.
0: Yeah, I just felt in my heart that you know I needed to do something different and be closer to my family and closer to Lizzie especially. So um, I felt like growing up, you always kind of just go on this path that everybody tells you you should go on and that all the other great players went on before you. And if you don't follow that path, you're not gonna get to where you wanna be. And luckily, you know, I was able to realize and follow my heart and be like, no, this isn't what I wanna do right now. I wanna be near Lizzie. I wanna go to college in the state of Delaware. I want to take Delaware to their first Sweet 16 ever. And I'm so glad that, you know, I didn't listen to the outside noise and just did what I wanted to do and what felt right because it's gotten me to where I am today and really made me who I am.
2: Got it, and you took it, when you left UConn, you took a year off of basketball, correct? Yeah, I
0: became a little volleyball player. (laughs) Did you really? Oh yeah, I sure did. I was wearing the little tight spandex. (laughs) Had no idea what I was doing out there. Had you ever played? (laughs) Uh, I played like for half a season. What were they
2: like, you're tall, you can jump, you can play? Yeah, they're like, like,
0: you'll be a middle hitter. You're not going to play the back row at all. Um, And I just would block, hit, do the little thing where you run, jump off one leg. That was my (laughs) favorite type of hit. (laughs) I don't know if we have volleyball players in here, but it was tough. It was a brand new challenge, but. I welcomed it, and I knew, you know, in college, I still wanted to be a part of a team. Yeah, um, I always and have wanted to be. So, at a part the time, were you
2: thinking about being done with basketball?
0: Yeah, I thought I'm finished. I was burnt out from it. Um, just because rec- you had
2: played so much and put so much into it?
0: Yeah, I put so much into it. The recruiting process was just brutal, um, and I had lost the love for basketball, and I. I I was going to become a volleyball star, which, goodness. How long did that last, by the way? Not even a year did that last. Um, I mean, I played a full season at UD. Um, we won, which was great. And then well, I was you're like, a winner, so. Yeah. yeah, you know, but then I was like, what on earth am I doing right now? <laughs> like, I've played my entire life, played basketball. I've worked so hard um, in that sport. I love it. I missed it. When I was went away back. from it, so I went so back.
2: You did a Michael Jordan. You and Michael Jordan are just.
0: Yeah, MJ was my favorite going exactly. up. Exactly. So. <laughs> he
2: tried baseball. not so no, good. No, no, no. He's like, oh, I'm going to go back to do this thing that yeah. I'm really good at, like you. But you've obviously had other obstacles, from, as you said, from Lizzie, obviously mm-hmm. being born with special needs and you being a part of that mm-hmm. yourself, um, contracting Lyme disease. You've, yeah. you've been through a lot of things and persevered, and you're really an inspirational person yourself. But Where have you found, or what obstacle have you found, that you've learned the most from that's inspired you the most?
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely contracting Lyme disease has been the toughest battle um, that I've had to fight. I contracted it in 2008, and still to this day I'm fighting it, so it's been a chronic illness for me. And um, To be a professional athlete and to have a chronic illness can be really tough. Um, There's days where I'm just exhausted and don't feel like I have it in me and have to rest my body and do extra things to take care of myself, but it's, once again, it's taught me about money and the importance of saving, um, because so much of the treatments for Lyme disease aren't covered um, by, oh, wow. by health insurance, so. Even playing in the
2: WNBA is not good.
0: Mm-mm. A lot of my treatments aren't covered, um, unfortunately, so that's something that my foundation fights, um, just trying to raise awareness and get people the treatment that they need, um, but it's taught me to save. You know, you might want that big toy or something, but I know that I've got medical bills that I'm gonna have to pay.
2: And as you have went through life, you've made a lot of transitions in your life from being a high school star to UConn, from UConn, which is obviously, you know, it's the greatest program in the history of college sports and all of college sports, to not playing, to playing volleyball, to back to playing, to the WNBA, (laughs) one team, there's just been a lot of transitions in your life. I'm sure you look back on it and think of that, but as you look back, which one do you think really helped you most shape your approach to finances and how do you deal with money? Because mm-hmm. then you, to your point, you contracted Lyme disease. That was another transition of now you're a person with a disease who has medical bills, but mm-hmm. is there any one of those transitions that really you look back on and go, that was the one that really helped me understand finances and how I should approach it?
0: Definitely contracting Lyme disease and then also watching Lizzie grow up and um All the treatments that she's needed, and I can see you know, why my dad has had to work so hard um, his entire life to continue to make money to care for us kids. So um, he's always been my role model for that and uh, has done a phenomenal job. And then I mean, my mom gave up being a teacher, and also that's just as hard. That might be harder than going and sitting behind a desk, like to have to deal with us annoying kids. <laughs> then you got Lizzie who needs you every second of the day. So she has been, you know, one of my heroes too and someone I can look up to.
2: Absolutely. The thing I love um, about you is you, you, what you believe in, what you stand for, you've, you've supported it with your time money, your name, water on your sleeve, obviously through your foundation, we'll talk about later, mm-hmm. and being, you know, Special Olympics and Limes and everything, but one of the main things you've always stood up for is pay equity amongst
0: oh, WNBA yeah. players. <laughs> yeah, this one, this was eye-opening, um, joining the league, and I mean, thank goodness for Title IX in college, because, um, you know, in college you don't feel that deficit, you get all the same things, and um, it just feels a lot different. And then you you hit the league, and it's completely different. Um, You know, the way we travel, the way we're paid, um, you know, the amount of fans that show up, the way we're marketed, all that has been different, and you can kind of just see that, you know, women aren't valued the same way that men are in the workforce, and, um, you know, it hurts, (laughs) you're like, I'm fighting every single day. I'm the best I can possibly be at my craft. And to be degraded over and over through Twitter and people who have never even been to a game, um, it gets frustrating, but you just gotta continue to fight the battle. And it's a societal problem that I think the league and the W can spearhead and kind of start a movement going.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, to your point, one of the big things is marketing, right? It's It's like how not only there's dollars mm-hmm. is one part and creative ideas but how it's done too because you could spend as much as you want but if it's not marketed the proper way fails. I mean, yeah it fails do yeah. you think that is uh, do you think that is comes from they don't involve you you girls love the players and to mm-hmm. the ideas or what do you, why do you think it's not the story of the WNBA and WNBA players not being told properly
0: mm-hmm. yeah I mean if you can't see something, um, how, how are you going to become a fan of it and how is that going to grow and um, get revenue and how are you going to have people, you know, in the stands that they don't even know? I mean, I can't tell you how many people have asked, you know, when is your season? I'm like, right now. Come to a game. <laughs> <laughs> but like, people should know that. It should be easy to access stuff like that. And even being a fan, it's tough because I can't tell you how many people have asked me where can I get your jersey? Or it's sold out in my kid's size. And like, we just don't have as much.
2: As much, exactly. <laughs> yeah,
0: so um, you, know, you can't rep your squad the way you could an NBA team or an NFL team. So um, marketing, though, is our biggest problem. And it's these huge companies that need to step up and value women and you know, put the dollars into women um, that they do, the men. And then you can see these awesome people
2: of course mm-hmm. and does the league involve the players in the conversation of how we should market this because i've honestly had conversation with pam <clears throat> mm-hmm. who's the cmo of the nba about she's asked me for ideas and how do i think because as i told you i live in la and i have a daughter who's 10 who i started mm-hmm. taking her to WNBA games and i'm a fan of just basketball it could be yeah. anybody could be playing it could mm-hmm. be pickup i'll stop and watch that game so of course yeah. i'm gonna watch professional so i watched it but I wasn't, I wouldn't call myself an avid fan of any team, mm-hmm. but my daughter started going and she, the LA team would show her around, so I became a fan yeah. of the Sparks and wanted them to win. So I started talking to her about my experience, but do they talk to you as players about how the league should be marketed or what they should be doing as a league?
0: Um, at the beginning of my career, no, not as much. Now, yes, they want to hear our opinions they want to know how they can be better and how they can help us grow um, so i think that's huge too we need to have open dialogue and people to throw out you know even crazy ideas you never know of course um, but we all need to talk about it and figure it out
2: yeah i like the you know they did the campaign where they had the nba players mm-hmm. in the campaign for w yeah regime.
0: because the nba guys are huge fans of the w of course. Um, i mean there's there's guys like Kyrie who have studied players like Sue Bird throughout his career that's helped his game grow. And then you've got a Twitter, some, a little troll on Twitter that tells us all to get back in the kitchen. So um, that's what's so frustrating and annoying. And it's something about basketball where it's like these people really get angry that women can play basketball, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> It's not that Basketball big a deal. Evoke it's, that emotion, exactly. Yeah, it really evokes that out of people. And maybe it's because everybody's grown up playing it and it's a sport that everybody can access and they just for some reason think they can do it better, but they can't. No, they
2: cannot, of course. No <laughs> yeah. way. But that that is, you're probably right, that is the thing because everyone's sitting at home on their colleges like, oh I remember when I played in high yes. school at Rec Ball, I could do this and <laughs> mm-hmm. they're pros and they can't even do this they're like Exactly. Yeah, but I'm playing against pros. You <laughs> were doing it against regular people. <laughs> You're right. It's a big so, difference.
0: Yeah, they don't they don't think that way, I <laughs> guess. No, it's
2: a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And and as one of the league's best players, if not the best player, do you feel like you have to stand up for the league and talk about this? Is this mm-hmm. something you you feel like is it pressure or do you just feel like I have to do this?
0: It's, I want to, like, I feel like you know we can grow so much and um, there's things that I just see that are wrong, like somebody who wants to buy my jersey should be able to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody who wants a Mystics hat should be able to easily go online and get it. And that doesn't exist right now. So, um, you know, I just feel like I need to speak up because I want it to be so much better for the young girls who, you know, are looking up to us now.
2: Yeah. and and. There's obviously a a number of WNBA players who are fantastic players Mm -hmm. who should but don't have endorsement deals with bigger companies who would like it. Why do you think that is? What is the reason for that?
0: It's big companies needing to step up and, you know, put their money where their mouth is because right now the talk is, you know, the power is female, all that. It's... You know, that's where the talk is at, and it sounds great to say that you believe that, but if you're not putting your dollars behind it and your marketing behind it, then it's just lip service. So yeah. I'm waiting for the dollars to actually get behind female athletes.
2: And have you seen, since we're going okay. through all this transition, as you said, and and the, the, the campaigns for female empowerment and empowering mm-hmm. women, which we should have been doing a long yeah. time ago, not like it's something great but yeah. we should have been doing this all along but have you seen other certain companies that you've seen kind of step to the plate mm-hmm. and really interface with WNBA players or other female athletes?
0: Yeah, they definitely stepped to the plate um but I don't see them putting the dollars where you know their mouth is. I think it sounds great and it looks good for their company, but are you truly investing in women's sports? And I think that's to come. Um, and we just have to continue to fight until it does.
1: Okay, now let's get back to Maverick and Elena Don.
2: You know, obviously I've dealt my whole career. I worked at Nike and then mm-hmm. managed athletes um, almost all male. And mm-hmm. they get picky sometimes. I don't want to do this one, I don't want to do this one. But as a WNBA player where you're saying there's not many opportunities, do you feel you have to take any opportunity that comes to you? Or how do you, yeah. how do you balance that? Because that's not mm-hmm. easy to balance. Like, I don't have many opportunities, but I don't know if I want this to take this opportunity, yeah. but I should because I
0: don't know when the next one's coming. It's true. It's a tough decision. Um, but, you know, throughout my career, I've tried to stay true to who I am. So, you know, if someone wants to throw dollars at me, but they're saying that kids should be eating, you know, tons of french fries or candy, I can't put my name behind that. I don't care what you're going to pay me. It just doesn't feel right. So, mm-hmm. I've always tried to stay true to myself and align with brands that. I really can back and believe in um but media and stuff like that yeah i try to do as much as i possibly can i stay busy because we're not you know out there in the news as much or on tv so as much as i can do to get the w you know talked about or get my face out there i try to do it so stay busy got it
2: <laughs> and is this a conversation that happens in the locker room are you as players as teammates even with competitors are you Uh, guys having conversations about hey I got this opportunity I'm trying to find this there's this Mm -hmm. opportunity over here is there much collaboration or conversation about opportunities and how do we make the W more marketable or how Mm -hmm. do we make ourselves more marketable
0: yeah actually I just came off of WNBA All-Star and um, we had great conversations and um, people like Sue Bird who have been in the league for so long with just awesome ideas and I'm like we've got to make these come to life somehow um, so we do, we talk about it. We bounce ideas off of one another. You know, we see what one person's getting and be like, that's not right. You should be getting a lot more than that. Of course. Or, um, you know, what what people are struggling with. And the goal is that, you know, women's basketball players don't have to go overseas to make their money. Yep. Know, we want it to happen here, here in yeah, America. Exactly. And it should be happening. So um, that was, you know, the underlying issue that we are trying to attack.
2: Yeah, well, that's awesome that instead of, sitting around complaining about it, you guys Mm -hmm. are like, what can we do? Let's come up with ideas, let's solve this. We know we have a problem, Mm -hmm. but how can we solve it together?
0: Exactly, yeah, that's the biggest thing. You know, you can sit and whine about it, but that's (laughs) not gonna do anything. So it's like, how do we get more people in the stands? How do we get companies behind us? Um, How can we get sponsors to back us, which I'm like, okay, at least let's attack some female brands. Like exactly. I know Tampax is not sponsoring the NBA.
1: So, no.
0: I'm, so I'm like, what are some female brands? Exactly. Like we're all spitting them out. And we're like, okay, we got to get them. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Yeah. yeah, let's start with that list. Yeah, exactly. bam. Yeah.
0: Like, I don't think a male will be yeah, good Steph at advertising Cur- that.
2: Steph Curry does a lot of things, but Tampax is not one. Yeah,
0: I don't think he's going to be able to do that one.
2: <laughs> exactly. 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 I agree with you. And I had um, Neko on the show... And to your point, we talked a lot about, I mean, she's an incredible player, but mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is she basically plays all year round. All year round. I mean mm-hmm. she doesn't I mean, I think she said we can go back to the tape, but I literally think she said she's like seventeen days and but depending on how far she goes, and yeah. they were going they went far last year. She had 17 days before she had to go. I think she went to Russia, maybe, and played, which is unbelievable.
0: Yeah, it's usually like you get two weeks after the WNBA season is over, um, and then you go straight over to Russia or wherever you're going and play all the way through training camp. So a lot of players aren't even in our training camps because they're still playing overseas, and it's crazy. It's hard on your body.
2: Mentally, it's hard. Mentally,
0: that's exhausting. You're in a different country, and then... Diana even said, she was like, now that I'm home and I'm not overseas anymore, I see how many years I missed out on
2: with yeah, life. family was, and yeah. life,
0: and that's just not okay.
2: And and players have to, or feel as though they have to play over there to supplement their salaries, mm-hmm. correct? Because yeah. you actually get paid more over there. Way more. Way more.
0: Yeah, way more. And if you're not getting endorsements here, it's not enough. You're gonna have Living to go overseas. Yeah.
2: yeah, because the top salary here compared to over there I think it's like three or four times oh yeah you? it could be oh, yeah. three the, you know be. someone like Diana it could be even more
0: yeah even more
2: so you so you, you're essentially playing here just to be home and play yeah but you're really earning your living over there correct? overseas
0: yeah. yeah and here it's the best league in the world you're playing against the best players in the yeah. world so you know as competitors we all want to be in this league uh, but you know your money is overseas
2: and but you've never chosen to play overseas correct mm-hmm. and why is that?
0: Staying (laughs) different my whole (laughs) life, I've always made that tougher decision uh, of, you know, staying here, but I don't want to play all year round. I love having an off season to get better at my craft. Like if you're playing games all year round, you're not getting better the way you can in an off season. I love being able to see my family, spending Christmas and Thanksgiving with my family, which people miss out on when they're overseas. Um, And then I like to do other things, like I've got a woodworking business. I love to get into the wood shop and just create things. And um, I love to run my camps and do things with my foundation. So I am more, I'm a very well-rounded person and I need balance balance in my life. And I I realize that when I burn out early. Of course. Um,
2: Yeah, and you obviously went through at you, the year after UConn, where you were burnt out, so you know yourself too. You know mm-hmm. you can burn out fast.
0: Exactly. But
2: I'm sure because you're so damn good. Honestly, <laughs> there's been offers where you're like, Ugh, yeah, it's like, Oof. fuck, how do I turn
0: that down? I know it, it. Yeah, it's it's tough. It is, and I'm never gonna close the door to going overseas because you know there might be that time where I do need to go and get that money and get yeah. paid because it's huge. Yeah. But for now, I'm trying to. Someone may,
2: someone may make you the godfather offer, the offer you just can't refuse. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, never know. And, and you never know. You just got to take it. <laughs> you just
2: have to take it. I, but mm-hmm. I understand of, like, burning out, because we were even talking now, you're about to, as soon as the season's over, however far
0: mm-hmm. you guys
2: play, you'll go right into training camp for World Games. Yeah. And then you were saying the players will play overseas right after World Games. They'll just stay in Europe.
0: Yeah, they're going to have to just go to their teams. And
2: and you can burn out very fast. And, and. You know, obviously the money is worth it, but for you, you've always been connected to your family, and that would probably be very hard, and your wife would have to go there. It would be be very hard for you to do it.
0: Yeah, and then I've got two dogs, uh one's (laughs) one's a horse so i don't know how i would get him over here she is big how big is he He is a great dane and if he was walking up to us right now his head would be like right here so he's a monster Jeez. yeah so those are our babies and i can't leave them either so there's a lot
2: there's a lot there would be a lot to move over there (laughs) a lot would have
0: to come over
2: exactly so you talked about you have a woodworking business how long have you had that
0: goodness that's been like three and a half, four years now.
2: Three and a half, and are yeah. you loving it?
0: Love it. Really? Yeah, it's been so much fun. My wife is more talented than I am, um, and I've learned so much from her. And I think she used to do stuff with her dad, like in a workshop, so she's great at making pieces, and then uh, I kind of came on board. We were moving, we were going back to Chicago, and we needed a little table, a coffee table, mm-hmm. and just built it because Coffee tables are expensive. Of course. Like furniture is really expensive. Really expensive.
2: we really, like, well,
0: shoot, let's go to Home Depot and buy some wood and make and this it, thing, yeah. right? So we threw something together and then, you know, good old social media. Uh, posted it and so much feedback of Loved people it. wanting to, demand. you know, yeah, we had the demand. So right away, we're like, aha, we're now going to be a woodworking company. It's called Deladon Designs. Um, we've really been doing a lot of cutting boards in season. It's tough to do tables, because it's just the two of us. Yeah. Um, and that's the one thing I struggle the most with being an entrepreneur, is delegating.
2: Oh, that's I'm you terrible. have to if you want to scale. I know,
0: them. and we need to scale it at some point, but I need to let know. Meaning go.
2: you and her make everything?
0: Everything. Holy, oh yeah. my goodness everything you
2: can't scale that way
0: no it's yeah that's it's not working no, the way exactly <laughs> we could we could be doing. you also have everything. another job i know so, so like, when you're she'll playing be like, hey, it's just her. hey can you come into the <laughs> shop right now i'm like no i'm tired i can't be building a table exactly so that is by far my biggest struggle is letting go and delegating
2: and let and, someone else do it because yeah. then you could just design or manage exactly yeah it's like a basketball you You shoot really well, but you got to pass it sometimes.
0: See, I'm much better on a basketball court. It's just natural, right? Yeah, this woodworking thing. I'm like, no, that's my baby. And they're not going to make it with love and care like we do.
2: Got it. Got it. It Makes sense. Mm -hmm. And um, being an entrepreneur, to your point, is about delegating. But it's also about working together on a team. And you Mm -hmm. work with your spouse. How is that?
0: She's the boss, and I (laughs) listen. I mean, she is the ultimate boss. Um, if you see us together, you can even just see it in her face. She's the boss. And I'm like, got you, boss. Tell me what you need me to do, and I'll I'll do it. So it's kind of nice, though, because on a basketball court, I am always have to kind of be the boss. You're in so, charge, yeah. In life with my wife, I'm like, just tell me what to do. That's great. And I'll I'll do it. I'm a really good doer. So <laughs> it's a good balance for yeah, me. Because some
2: people say, you know, that's the hardest thing is like, Working, working with your spouse, because it's like, you would never get a break, because yeah. most people sometimes see work as, like, an, a, a healthy break of, like, we live together, but I go to work every day, then I'm, mm-hmm. like, but you guys work together, together yeah. so, you know, I was wondering, like, could that that could be tough, but it's good that you just do what she sure. says, mm-hmm. but when, you, when I watch you play basketball, that's yes. not the version of you I've seen, no. so I was like, how's that working?
0: Yeah, it's nice to have, you know, differences in life, so... Basketball is more of my job, my work. The woodworking, that's kind of my like, just time to have fun, um, get away from things, not think, put on some music. Glue yeah. some wood, do <laughs> some sanding.
2: And you <laughs> yeah. had never worked with wood before? You had, you had um, never done it?
0: No, not really. In In school, in like third grade, we had a woodworking class, but that does not count. Yeah, so.
2: yeah, I had that too. With the teacher always with one finger missing. That's, yeah, like a, <laughs> right. that's the woodworking teacher, yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I
0: stay away from those type of power tools. Yeah, that I could agree, yeah, stay
2: affect, away. Yeah. Stay away from those. I,
0: I kind of need my body for um, what I do.
2: We were talking about earlier, this is obviously you're finishing your sixth season Mm -hmm. in the WNBA, but over the time, you've talked about you never played overseas, Mm -hmm. Um, but you talked about endorsements, you found some, but not finding some, and you talked about, as a youngster, learning to save money, but as you've become a pro, Mm -hmm. and now you play professional basketball and get paid, What are some of the things you've learned over the six years about saving money? Like, what are the most important things?
0: I've learned that taxes are awful. (laughs) Like, you see the, you see the, Dollars that you're getting paid, and then it's like, wait, half of that's gonna go away? I'm like, no. <laughs> so that was the biggest was eye the first opener. Thing, yeah, man. it was like reality really hit me was there. It,
2: when did it hit you? Your first check, my, as a rookie? my rookie. The yeah, first check. First one. Like, yes. Yeah, I, I was like, paid.
0: wow, yeah, here we go. And then it's like, bam, that's all going away. <laughs> Don't spend that. So I've become frugal. Um, I think I've gotten that from my dad. Just yeah. you know. How important every single dollar is and you know that could be saved Um, so it's kind of something I learned growing up and then now you know I'm not going overseas so I do need to really take care of my money and you know spend it you know sparingly and try to save and you know invest and get into other things the best thing ever too was somebody told me you should get a financial advisor right when I hit the league and he has been so great. Help
2: you organize everything. Goodness,
0: yes. Every month I get a report and I get to look at what's coming in, what's going out. Um, if, you know, we, we even plan like five years from now, hopefully, you know, I'll have a family and be, have a kid. So how are we gonna prepare for that? Yep. Schooling, do you wanna do private school, public school? So we have all these You're discussions. Planning. Yeah, I'm planning constantly. You gotta plan. You, you can't just to. like go day by day like, oh, I want that, I'm no. gonna spend on, th-. no. And you have to plan for tax season. My God. <laughs>
2: uncle Sam oh, it, does not it play. Hurts. That guy does not play. No, He's not that, a nice uncle.
0: No. That hurts the soul. Yes. That one's tough.
2: <laughs> that is true. You have, you're planning. As you said, your financial advisor sends you a plan. You've learned that you have to save for taxes, mm-hmm. right? You have to save have for to. taxes. That's the one tricky thing I think you learn. Because when you work at a, At a company, they pay you, but they withhold your taxes. Mm -hmm. When you're an entrepreneur doing your own things, you get all your money, and at the end of the year, Uncle Sam shows (laughs) up. Then they take it all. So you have to you have to learn to save that. But besides (laughs) taxes, what was the first thing that thing that you save for? Big thing when you turn pro, you're like, I'm getting that, and I'm going to save for it. And how did you save for it?
0: So. The first was a condo in Chicago, uh-huh. and Chicago's not cheap. No. So uh, when I first like looked to see how much you know these condos were, I was like, oh goodness, this is gonna take a couple years to save up. So um, just for me, it's always like making decisions. Like, do I really need this right now? And I feel like you know, even if I had tons of money thrown at me, I would still be the same person. Like, I'm a saver and. I'm I'm a little bit frugal with my money Um, but there's certain things I'm like I don't need this right now and down the road I can have an awesome condo in Chicago with hopefully a rooftop and you know my wife and I will be thrilled to have that so uh, it's just always kind of just planning ahead for the future what do I really want what do I want to attain and then right now is that really worth it like do I need that or should I wait and it's going to be greater down the road. Exactly.
2: So you saved for that condo, but you got it. Yeah. Was it worth it? 100%.
0: You felt amazing. Was it? worth it. But then I got traded like a year later. So <laughs> you learned now I lesson. have to sell the condo. But I made a great purchase because I ended up making more oh, on the condo than what I had bought it for. So you felt even better. So I was like, you know what? I should just start buying places. I was about to say you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like your woodworking company, you're like. Maybe I should be in sale, yeah. condo sales. Right? Maybe I should be fl- a flipper.
0: Hmm, maybe I should do that. Exactly. But no, I don't. I don't think I'll be doing any of that.
1: For any athlete, it's important to take breaks, rest, and immerse yourself in other activities to avoid burnout. For Elena, she spends time woodworking with her wife. Now, when I was a player, as you can imagine, thinking about football 24-7 would weigh on my mind and just mentally drain me. So after about three seasons, I wanted to find a hobby to help me get away. And in that, I found a love for doing funny videos with my family. Now, I'm not just talking about recording home videos of my kids or my wife, which I know we all can appreciate. I'm talking about sitting there Killing time learning how to edit the videos, the audio, transitions, doing shot lists, you name it. Now, after a while, I got pretty good at it and confident enough to send to my teammates and they would love them. As fate would have it, when I retired, I began putting the videos out into the public. And ESPN seeing them is actually what kickstarted what I'm doing today in media. Now, though my goal at the time was just to take my mind off of the stress of football, it ended up paying big dividends for me in the long run. All right, now let's hear more from Maverick and Elena.
2: In the WNBA, is there a lot of conversation in the locker room about money and savings? Do the do your teammates, do you girls talk a lot about those type of things? We
0: really don't. You don't really? No, and I don't know. I feel like people don't talk about money that much. Really? Like in general, I've, like in society, people don't talk about it, and I think. When people are talking about like what they have, you're like, well, that's you don't want to sound like them. They're of course you know, being a little cocky right now, yeah. boasting. Um, so we don't talk about it as much. You know, we'll talk about, like, why is this money coming out of our checks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's one we all get behind. Exactly. Um,
2: Everyone gets <laughs> behind with that issue.
0: Exactly. But other than that, we don't talk too much.
2: So when you entered the league, no one ever pulled you aside or gave you any advice, no older player, like, hey, watch out for this, Mm-mm. make sure you think through this when you get paid. No one.
0: Not really. I mean, we go through a rookie seminar where, you know, they tell you things like taxes are coming. <laughs> um, but... Until you like get out into reality and live it, like it's you learn a lot of things by just living it. And I'm so grateful that I decided to invest in a financial advisor who's helped me so much just to kind of learn, you know, business and what to do.
2: And do you think you have a responsibility to tell the rookies that are coming in yes. now? Do you do you do that? Yes. Because you didn't get it. Did because you like- I
0: didn't get it. I'm like, come here. You got to do this. You got to do this. <laughs> get yourself an advisor because. You need somebody who can help you, of course, um, especially with overseas money and all that. Like, yeah, it's gets, gets tricky. Really tricky, and it's nice to have somebody who understands that. Oh
2: are they receptive most of the time. The rookies who come, they
0: in? are. They're like, "Thank you for telling us. We had no idea." I'm and sure. There's just so much. Those poor little rookies. Don't <laughs> yeah, exactly. Know. They don't know. Like, come here.
2: Because you no. remember that when in college, no. it's all—it's pretty easy. It's all yeah, set. It's
0: all handed to you. Handed and to set. you. Yeah. And then you hit the real world, and, and it's, it's like.
2: like you're um, on your own now.
0: Yes. It's exactly. like, here's your
2: money, show up to practice. Yeah. And good luck.
0: Figure it out. Yeah. And if you don't, someone's going to take your job. Exactly. So I try to get them early. And exactly. Teach
2: them. And you obviously have a long career. I think you probably will have the ability to play as long as you want. Mm-hmm. Who knows how long you'll play. But for you, do you start thinking, or have you started thinking about? what's after mm-hmm. W? After you play in the W when you're finished? What yeah. do you want to do? What's that future look like for you in your mind? What's your vision?
0: Yeah, I'm a planner, so once again, I'm like, I know this won't be around forever. Um, hopefully it'll be around for a long time since I'm not playing overseas and I do get to kind of save my body a little bit. But um, I know that anything I do, I need to be passionate about it and my heart needs to be in it or it's not gonna work. So I know that I love basketball, I love kids, I love people with special needs. Um, so one of my, you know, greatest joys is running unified basketball camps where I have, you know, the typical able-bodied people playing alongside special olympic athletes and there's no greater feeling than just, you know, being able to spend time with them and seeing them work with one another and uh, the joy of sport. So I think something will come together with that.
2: Something will come. together, Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you've obviously you're one of the best basketball players in the world, you have a company with your wife, you have your foundation, which we'll talk about in a second, you have your family, Mm -hmm. so you're obviously ambitious, always busy, Mm -hmm. very smart, but then you also chose to be an author, you chose to write books, you you do a lot, Mm -hmm. what made you want to write books, what made you do that, want to become an author?
0: So, I wanted to be a school teacher, um, if I wasn't a professional Because of your mom? Yeah, I wanted to be a special ed teacher, just because... I you know, grew up around you know, people with special needs, and I, I enjoy teaching too. So I wanted to find a way to like teach kids still, somehow. I, you know, I know I can't go to school and be a teacher right now, I'm doing too much other stuff, but I thought you know, these books could really help kids that might be struggling with something and hopefully can relate to me. And even if they can't relate to you know, what the book is about, which one of the books is about a middle schooler who's super tall, and, yeah, wonder that, where I that got personal? that idea from, right? Yeah, where'd you come up with that? <laughs> Just came to me one night in a dream. Um, so, you know, maybe they're not super tall, but maybe they're feeling awkward about something uh, with their body. And I feel like all middle school age kids are going through something. So I wanted to really be able to impact them and teach as best as I can without of being a teacher.
2: Yeah, and that's funny being, as you, when you say talk about being tall. I, I'm not super tall, as you know, but amongst, no, amongst basketball players, if yeah. I'm around basketball players, I was just in Vegas, I'm not that tall. I'm like the size of just about every point guard in the NBA, <laughs> but amongst regular people, I'm a pretty tall yeah. person. So, And I'm, I happen to be African-American, obviously, mm-hmm. so if I'm in a nice hotel, anytime I'm in a nice hotel, I was like, what team do you play for? <laughs> Literally, I'm like, I always like, I wish I played for it. I wish I was good (laughs) enough to fucking play. I don't know if you know, but they get paid a lot of money.
0: Yeah, like, Uh, it'd be great if I was playing basketball It'd be
2: great if I could play if I wasn't, like, trying to run a company. Mm. I'd much rather be making jump shots. Right. But I'm sure growing up, being Mm -hmm. tall and a female, you went through all... Oh,
0: It's a lot of things you go
2: through like that. Yeah.
0: You get the corny jokes, like, how's the weather up there? (laughs) I've never heard that one before. Or, like, you just get the, like... Wow, you're tall. And I'm like, really? Really? I didn't know. I never would have known that if you didn't just tell me right now. Like I'm 28 years old and I've never heard that in my life. So you gotta get through the corny jokes and all that. Um, exactly. And then thank goodness I do play basketball because I get asked oh, that. my goodness. You know, often. All the
2: time, I'm sure. Yes. And obviously as you finish your career, you're gonna keep running your foundation, which mm-hmm. is very passionate to mm-hmm. you. Tell us a little bit about your foundation and why you started it, what's it mm-hmm. do? And where do you see it going into the future as you finish your career, whatever it is?
0: Um, So the foundation is fairly new, but it's something so close to my heart and my wife's as well. She's the one who truly runs it and does all the day-to-day and all the hard stuff. (laughs) I'll come up with ideas and she's like, oh my goodness, now you just added so much work for me. Mm -hmm. But um, the, the goal of the foundation is to help people with special needs and families who uh, might not have the money to care for their child with special needs. So what we would like to see future down the road is like going into homes and like being able to fit out the whole home to care for someone, with care for a family member who might have special needs. And then um, the other thing is Lyme awareness. Um, and I work really closely with Global Lyme Alliance. I think they're amazing. Um, the research that they're doing is groundbreaking and hopefully one day there will even be a cure. So. I work with them and try to, you know, give them dollars that'll go to the research. Research, and I also work with um, Lyme Aid for Kids, and that's just giving money to families who can't pay for the treatments that their kids need, who are struggling with Lyme disease.
2: Got it. And um, so much of your professional and personal life is dedicated to giving back. Your family, your foundation. Mm-hmm. You're always giving back but you also work really hard and make money. Is it hard for you to splurge in yourself? Do you feel bad about it? Do you?
0: No, I feel great that I'm giving back to causes that have truly impacted you know, myself and my entire family. So um, that's why it's so important to have this foundation and to be able to you know, help and see what you know, we can do and change lives, hopefully.
2: But when you buy something for yourself, you oh, don't feel I'm bad not, about it. Oh,
0: I'm not. No, I'm bad at that. You're bad at yeah. that. My wife, she <laughs> can just spend. I'm like, what are you
2: doing? She's a spender. Yeah,
0: I mean, she's not even a spender. But it's just me. I'm such not a spender. Just the you're completely yeah, complete opposite. side. So exactly. we're just opposite that
2: way. I totally get it. I totally. You, but you and your wife love to travel, mm-hmm.
0: right? We do. Is
2: that your one thing that you guys both will go? We're gonna splurge on a beautiful trip and go somewhere mm-hmm. we've never seen. Is that the thing that you?
0: We we do we do try to do that or we always end up in Disney World. It's my favorite place. In Orlando? My pla- Orlando is my I favorite place, place in the world. I'm sorry, I love it. I'm like still a kid and it's magical. So we always go to Disney World. She, she loves it too. Or does it. she just go
2: because you love it?
0: Well, she used to not be like into it, but now she loves it as much as I do. I think. I hope because we're we're gonna continue to go every year. <laughs> <laughs> If she's watching, Disney World's in your future. Exactly. She knows that already. (laughs) She knew that when she married me. But we'll even try to save money where uh, last year, when we did the Disney trip, we got an RV, we brought the dogs, and we drove our way to Florida together. That must have been fun. Yeah, we parked it in the Wilderness Lodge, and we were, like, (laughs) camping and going to Disney all at once. And having a great time. And it was awesome.
2: Is that your favorite trip that you've ever been on, you and her?
0: I also have to give it up for our trip to Bora Bora. Oh, that wow. was kind
2: of That nice. sounds a lot better than <laughs> it Disney have, to it me. might but. have beat
0: Disney by a little bit. <laughs> but that was our honeymoon. So we won't be doing that for many years because got to save.
2: <laughs> got it. And what is, you're a saver, you're frugal, you're good, but is there one guilty pleasure that you, or something that you just every time you're like, I always have to buy it even when you try and resist it?
0: Um, I'd say just good food. And also wine.
2: Wine, okay, yeah. good. I I'm, I'm a wino, wine. too. So. Are you,
0: I love red wine. Yeah. So, you know, I tell myself that food is my fuel, <laughs> and I need the fuel to perform. Exactly. So that's how I kind of will spend money on food. Yeah. Most.
2: I agree. Yeah. And bad wine will give you a headache, so drink great wine. Gotta
0: drink the good wine you or you're gonna that. have a terrible day the next day. Yeah,
2: you just the money that you save with bad wine you spend it on Advil, so it's <laughs> so, great.
0: Seriously. That's a great point. Yeah, the, so just I'm gonna I'm gonna use great, that one. Just drink, drink great wine. Really I'm good wine. <laughs> you,
2: um, have you had along the way any financial missteps or mistakes that you made that you like think back on, and go, shit, I screwed that up or I should have did this mm-hmm. that you learn from?
0: I just made one that I think I'm going to regret cuz I've told I mean I've been told that the best day of your life is when you buy a boat and the best day is when you sell it or something like that. That's I just true. bought a boat. Oh. And I know it's a terrible investment, but I have so much fun on it. My wife and I love the water. We love Annapolis. So I know it's just going to be That could taking be money. money out of it.
2: Yes, the that could be I know people with boats and
0: uh, yeah. They enjoy
2: them always, but it could end up being... It
0: could be bad. So this But you be, can enjoy it. You're going to love yeah, it. Yeah, we love it so far. Uh, there haven't been any problems yet, so we'll see how much I love it when it starts pulling money out of the wallet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah.
2: Exactly. You'll see how much you really love it. We're going to see if you really <laughs> if love I boating. truly love
0: boating. Exactly. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, one last question to wrap, a fun question that we always have on the show is what we call the broke habit. Like, what is the habit that you still have that may go back to college or before you were making money.
0: There's still times in the grocery store where like, I'll choose the cheap brand and like, like the cheap toilet paper, the cheap, you know? You can't help it. And it, it isn't as good, but I'm like, this isn't worth spending the extra money on it, so I make that decision here. So i this money here. Yeah, that's when my wife is like, why did you not just get Bounty? Like, it's all ripping. <laughs> it's like, are you terrible. kidding me what right now? This you? is awful. And I'm like, well, then you need to go to the grocery store next time because I made the good decision. Exactly, <laughs>
2: yeah. exactly. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us. It's been fantastic with Elaine on the show. Please give Elaine a big hand.
1: Thank you. That's all for this episode of Needing Dough, the podcast presented by Uninterrupted and Chase. We're back next week with the final episode of this season. So if you like what you heard, share with a friend. Thanks again to our partners for this show, Chase. Head over to Chase.com to see what Chase has to offer. Our executive producers are myself, T.D. St. Matthew Daniel, and Ben Adair. And I'm Andrew Hawkins, a.k.a. Hawk, telling you what a wise man always told me. A penny saved is a penny earned.